Despite an unfolding economic crisis, almost every local council in New Zealand is currently scheduled to hike rates by 4%, 5% or even 9 or 10%. Well, the Taxpayers Union has been campaigning against these rate hikes. We've been arguing that surely with central government pulling out all the stops to ease financial pain on households, councils need to do their part too. Well, joining me today is Hutt City Councillor Chris Milne and Christchurch City Councillor Sam McDonald. Now, Sam, I'll start with you. You're part of a group of councillors who've raised the idea of a rates freeze with your mayor. That's right. Why is that? And how optimistic are you? That's that's right, Louis. Um, we're a, a group of six independent councillors who discussed this prior to Alert Level 4 being implemented across uh, New Zealand. And we felt that given the significant, significant economic downturn that was proceeding, it was entirely appropriate for the council to also uh, tighten its belt. So we wrote to our mayor on that. It, look, it's been well received in some respects, uh, and the work's underway, as I understand it now, to, to look at how uh, or what the options might be. And what would a rates freeze actually look like? Is this a rates holiday, or is it a deferral, or is it a um, or is it an actual freeze and reduction in the real costs facing ratepayers? Yeah. So I think it's really important to distinguish the difference. So deferral is effectively passing the problem down the road. So all that would do in the immediate term uh, would effectively give some flexibility to ratepayers. And I, I, look, I think there should be an option for that. Uh, but fundamentally, the bigger issue is cutting that increase that's projected to hit from the 1st of July this year. So in Christchurch, for example, the average is expected to be 4.65 across our rural, our centre, our commercial property, uh, and indeed our residential households. So it effectively would be a budget freeze. There'd be no additional spending, and the expectation would be that staff need to find more efficiencies within council. Okay. And Chris, what's the outlook in Hutt City for rates, and what have you proposed to your colleagues? Well, the draft annual plan that is proposed to go out for consultation very shortly is for a 7.9% rates increase. That entails an 8.9% increase in council revenue because we have about 1% capital growth in the city. Mm. Because of changes in residential and commercial rates, um, sorry, uh, residential and commercial values, the relative change, some households in the city uh, will have rates rises up to 18%, while other residential um, properties may only have a 5% rise. Um, wow. I, I, have, I have proposed to, to council that we have a 0% rates increase this year. We've got a number of quite large capital projects planned. Given the economic uncertainty, it's extremely unlikely that we're going to get a wide range of competitive tenders. Many businesses don't even know whether they're going to survive. And the economic situation is such that we should really put all these major projects on hold for 12 months and focus on improving the productivity at the council. We can do it with a 0% rates increase. Yes. I propose that we have a salary increase on staff, that we have a sinking lid on staff. Yes, that. I actually want to get further into some of those ideas for cutting costs. Yeah. Uh, firstly, though, just in terms of the the outlook for a rates freeze at these councils, do you get the sense that there is an increasing understanding of the necessity for this move? Look, I think certainly in Christchurch, uh, there appears to be a, a growing move towards that. For us, we have a billion dollar a year income stream, and we, you know, in turn, basically spend that as well. Uh, for us to get a 0% rate rise at the moment, we would need to cut expenditure by $23 million. So relative to the entire budget, it actually is quite feasible, uh, and there'd be some options on that. So look, I, I think our council are becoming more aware of the challenges residents face, and again, um, commercial property as well. Uh, so look, it's certainly something on the radar. What about in Hutt City, Chris? 
I think there's a growing awareness of the fact that we cannot have a 7.9% rates increase. And in fact, the mayor has already said that we're going to have to go with something less. It's unspecified at this point. Officers are doing more work on it. I think, though, that realism is creeping around in around the table on the situation that we face now. Yes. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, about 10 days ago, local government New Zealand put out a press release saying that our campaign for a rates freeze was misguided and that it would slow economic relief. And then just yesterday, uh, Dave Cull from local government New Zealand was saying that actually um, councils do need to reduce the burden on ratepayers, and if that means a rates freeze, so be it. So it seems like there is some kind of movement on at least the question of a rates freeze. But I guess the obvious question that you guys have alluded to is um, how that's funded. Firstly, can I clarify, are either of you proposing borrowing as a way of offsetting the reduction in revenue from any rates freeze? So I, I have a different view on, on how this is achieved, and it's, it's I think, how every council should operate around the country. As a governing body, we set the expectations and let staff go away and come up with solutions. So, you know, I've been very clear from the beginning of this, you know, we raised it three weeks ago. And the reality is that we should tell the staff the parameters we want them to operate within and come back with options because you do have to bear in mind we're, we're also going through consultation and, and the like as well. So I actually don't find it helpful and I'm a, I'm a chartered accountant by trade so I, I could dive right into the detail but I think it's entirely appropriate for the executive leadership team of our council who are paid uh, well to do this kind of thing uh, to bring back options for the council to consider. So look, that, that may involve debt funding. My preference would be though that we look at reducing costs. And I think if we can start ingraining that mentality, uh, and not only our council, but councils across the country, long term it will be better as well. Okay. And Chris, I know you've got a lot of ideas, so I want you, if possible, to rattle through a few of them. You've mentioned the low-value or low-priority projects. What type of projects are you talking about deferring or cancelling? Well, for example, it seems to me to be out of step with current economic realities for us to be insisting that any company that contracts to council pay the living wage, which is a significant increase in wage over, over the government's minimum wage. And many companies are struggling, will be struggling to survive. And at the end of the day, that sort of payment comes right out of the pocket of ratepayers, many of whom will probably be earning less than what we're proposing to, to force our contractors to pay. Yes. That's one example. Yes. I mean, what's in a then obviously ratepayers also tend to have less job security than the people who have access to a yes. council contracts. Yes. I mean, a large part of council costs are salaries and wages. So any talk about how we're going to economise necessarily involves the wages bill. And, and in the private sector, many people are taking annual leave. People are taking 20% pay cuts. They're on 80%. Many of them are losing their jobs. Many business people have no idea how they're going to keep their businesses going. They're dipping into their own pockets to hold on to their staff. Public sector has the luxury of being able to send a rates bill or tax people, and yeah. yes. and if public sector pay is set in, in relation to private sector pay, which is where the benchmarking always starts when you get these when you get these job sizing consultants in, then surely it cuts both ways. So I'm advocating that we put a, a freeze on staff wage increases, a sinking lid. We require staff to take some annual leave. Most councils have a chronic problem with accrued annual leave where staff have 10, 20, even 30, 40 days sometimes owing to them in leave, this is a very good time for people to start using some of that leave because once this crisis ends, everybody's going to be so busy, staff won't even be able to take leave, so the problem will only get worse. For sure. So Chris, can I can I push in there a, a wee bit? 
um, and say, look, I completely hear what you're saying. But I think as a council, as elected members, we need to be really clear on our role. Uh, and so for us in Christchurch, we employ one person uh, who is our chief executive. And my view, and my strong view, and I've only been a councillor since October last year, uh, but I think it's fundamental that the change that you and I can affect uh, is around the council table. So if we can get the buy-in around the council table to set effective parameters that would allow the chief executive to do their job. So I'm not disputing with you the mechanisms by which you're saying we should reduce rates and how we can alleviate that. I guess the different view I have is that I think the elected member's role is solely to put the pressure and set the parameters on the chief executive to undertake that work. So I think you know we just need to be really careful about how we go about it, but we can do it in a constructive way uh, that actually allows or empowers the people we pay you know, quite well as chief executives to undertake their role. Look, I'm on the same page as you totally. We've had exactly that discussion at council. We have one employee, which is the chief executive. However, when something like as major as what we're now facing occurs, governance has a role in giving the chief executive a clear steer, not only on what, we, what we're looking for, but some ideas in terms of how we see that being achieved. We have a new chief executive who's only been in the job about three or four months. Actually, five or six now. Uh, yes. Look, so so do we. Uh, Dawn started with us in October last year. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, and I'm not disputing it at all. But I think when you've got competent people running organisations like that, we should tell them what we want, and it's up to them to work out how they get there. So I, I look, I, I think we're on the same page. So we're, we're probably going around in circles. I've put, I've, I've put all these ideas to councillors at a council meeting yesterday. We've got another council meeting in a week. And I call it a Chris, th there's one idea of yours that's relevant to, I think, this exact discussion in terms of the councillors setting expectations. You suggested, and I thought this was pretty radical coming from a councillor, that even councillors themselves take a pay cut. Now, presumably, that wouldn't save an enormous amount of money, but was there some larger point you were getting at there? Oh, absolutely. I've suggested that councillors return 10% of their after-tax income to the council, simply because if we're facing really difficult situations and we have to make some tough choices, not only internally, but also in the expectations the community have, might have about pet projects, I think it's essential that councillors demonstrate leadership in this in this respect. It's... It'd be very hard to say that everybody else has to take a haircut, but councillors don't. And I, normally I would never propose such a thing, but I think this is a very difficult situation. And I think that if councillors yeah. are going to be able to lead, they have to demonstrate it. It's, it's amazing to hear a councillor make that exact suggestion. So, sorry, Sam, I, I have to ask what you, what you think of that, because uh, you have to wonder how councillors across the country would respond to like that idea. Yeah, look, completely. And, and I completely understand the sentiment from it. Uh, I'm probably a wee bit more cynical in that, I don't think a headline grab will fix the problem. I think there are far bigger issues within councils uh, to address that. I mean, the reality is, look, what will come from that will come. Hope, you know, if there was something, it might be that the remuneration authority dictate what that would look like. But I think if we're really going to move the dial and actually have solid, effective change and good outcomes for residents, we need to be looking a lot bigger uh, and setting that directive for the chief executive. So like for us, I mean, the key is going to be how they effectively deliver the capital programme. Uh, and where we reprioritise spending. And I think, you know, as everyone has said so far, the world's going to be a lot different after this lockdown. And so it's a real chance for councils to empower their chief executives to reprioritise spending across the entire organisation. So look, I think uh, Chris makes a really valid point. Something may come of it, but I guess for me, I'm more interested in the real change that we can affect and possibly not just the headline in the press for, for one day, but completely uh, on the same page. Sure. A quick response to that, Chris? Yeah, it's not so much about generating a headline for the media. It's about signalling to the whole community 
and to the whole workforce at the council, 500 staff, that the councillors understand the issues that we're facing, empathise with the people, and are prepared to, to lead by example. The Chief Executive voluntarily has given herself a 10% pay cut through to 30 June 2021. I think that the entire executive leadership of the council and councillors should be doing the same so that, so that we, can, we can have moral authority in making some very difficult decisions which are going to be painful. Yeah, we've certainly seen across um, the private sector CEOs taking uh, pay cuts to, to, I think, send a message and set a culture. So it's been nice to see some councils pursue that action as well. I don't think it'll be, it'll be easy. The, the Porirua City Mayor, when I put that idea to her, said that she was not into slashing salaries. So a 10% cut is not a slash. <laughs> but I think that shows, I think that shows the difficulty, I think that shows the difficulties that sector is going to face in terms of in terms of getting anything done yes well that's part of our campaign is is highlighting councils that are taking sensible measures like this and frankly we do expect to see a domino effect but i think you know the the other side of that though is and i'm i'm not one to advocate for big salaries or anything like that but i think you know if we're fundamentally going to fix it we need to focus on where the money that actually matters is and the reality is that's within our capital programs and our and reprioritizing spending so I, I on, look, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but I think if we're going to be effective governors uh, around the council table for our cities, we really need to put that line in the sand and ask the chief executives of our councils uh, to come back with solid options. So, I, I mean, I, I can hear what you're saying in terms of how it will have a domino effect, and look, maybe it will, but if we want to make real change, we've got to look at that spend. Absolutely. I might just um, finish up by asking both of you, what, what suggestions you guys have in terms of things that councils can do to make life easier for residents now that don't simply involve a rates freeze? Uh, obviously, we'd like a rates freeze, but it isn't all about rates and spending, is it? Is there some type of relief action that you guys are proposing at your council table? Yeah, I'm happy to go first. The So for us, there'll be a paper coming later this week for the council to look at a rates deferral option. So there'd be no penalties for six months. Um, look, I always get nervous when we do this because I think for people that are struggling, it does potentially put them in a more awkward position later down the line. But I think, uh, as, as Chris has quite rightly alluded to, there's a lot of companies at the moment who are reducing staff incomes to, to 80%. And so I think if we can uh, help them over the next few months to manage that, it, it, you know, if the choice becomes paying your mortgage or your rates, I'd happily let your rates sit for a couple of months until you're back on 100% of your salary uh, to do that. So I think you know that's probably one example of where we can help uh, potentially for the next couple of months. But I, I think long term, though, where we can really help people is by reducing that rate power burden and controlling spending at councils. Sure. And you, Chris? We've got various deferral schemes and so on for ratepayers of hardship. There's a lot of operational areas where we could improve in the council with better technology, for example. There's an awful lot of double handling of paper, and our new CEO is onto it. We have voted to increase our IT spend to, to enable our systems to be a lot more efficient. What surprises me is the speed with which the council has been able to move forward on a whole lot of digital measures, which we've been talking about for a number of years, and yet in the space of three weeks we've managed to do them all. Now, in my private sector involvement, companies work at that speed all the time, not just when there's a crisis. Yes. So there's a very big difference between the way the public sector works in the private sector. Um, you can see that with all the government's working groups. The private sector will get stuff done in a week that would take the public sector three to six months. And that pace of that pace of change and the commitment to to actually make things happen rapidly 
is happening now, but only in a crisis. It'll be fascinating to see if some of those habits are maintained beyond beyond the immediate challenges, and hopefully some of those habits will be. Now, let's wrap up on this. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for joining Taxpayer Talk, our latest podcast today. It's been great having you. I think I'll just sum up the progress that our campaign is making. I think, as I mentioned, over 5,000 New Zealanders have now signed our petition at ratesfreeze.nz for a nationwide rates freeze. And we're also running a dashboard that tracks different councils in terms of where they're at on rates. That's at taxpayers.org.nz slash rates underscore dashboard. So far, I can see Dunedin City Council has signalled a rates freeze, as has Waitomo District Council, or at least the mayor there, as have a number of regional councils, including Waikato and Hawke's Bay. Now, we are updating that by the day, so we look forward to delivering more updates to all of our members. Uh, In the meantime, have a great day. Thanks for listening to Taxpayer Talk. Cheers. Cheers.